This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Yes, hello and welcome to Just For Kicks, uh, action-packed show. We have FA Cup, we've got a bit of, well, FA Cup, actually. Um, uh, and also looking forward to the Asian uh, Cup as well. So uh, with our two pundits today, we've got uh, two up front. We have Azran Rosin. Hi, everyone. It's been an absolutely fabulous start to the year. <laughs> He's a Liverpool fan and we have a Manchester United fan here as well. We have Sean Mahotra. Hi, hi. Great to be here on the first show of the new year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is it? No, no, it's oh, not. No. First for me. Yeah, first, first for you, yeah. Um, so uh, let's just dive straight into it, guys. We have the Magic of the Cup, the FA Cup third round. And on the last show, on the Friday show, we had two English fellas, Bob Holmes and Des Corkill. And they were kind of like... You know, they, they they grow up with it. They're imbued with the, the FA Cup. But I just want to ask you guys, do you feel a sense of the FA Cup being a thing, anything? I mean, has the League Cup become more interesting to you? Or if I mean, we're using the League Cup as a benchmark, then I would say no. But I don't think I'll get the same feeling as uh, Des and Bob do. But I can, I can understand why. Because I can use a very good example. A few years back under uh, Louis van Gaal, United faced MK Dons, right? And at one time, if I'm not mistaken, they were called Wimbledon mm-hmm. many, many years ago. MK Dons smashed United 4-0 in the third round of the FA Cup. When they say the magic of the cup, it's moments like that. And yeah, it's horrible to be on the receiving end, but then you have to think about it from the point of view of the other club. Mm. They don't have the same financial backing. They don't have the same traction or marketing and all these kind of things. And they go up against one of the big boys and they smash them. FA Cup weekend. They don't care what happens next. A few years after that, Leeds did the same thing against uh, Manchester United and that's Leeds against United. So it's moments like that where I think, you know, the small boys having a big triumph over the big boys and the people are into it as well. So it's more than just the fixture itself. It's that feeling of beating one of the big boys. Right. Yeah. Sorry, and, and this Manchester United with the big boy, was it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. Azra? I'm somewhere in the middle because obviously we come from slightly different generations. Uh, back then, league football wasn't live. So the closest action to English football that you get was the FA Cup Road to Wembley If for those of you born right. in the 70s or 80s You would remember that song right. that, 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 that famous, <laughs> famous advertisement So again, for me, FA Cup has its magic, of course But again, we've been sort of privileged To have live football every week now But it's still, FA Cup What is beautiful about the third round of the FA Cup Is when the Premier League teams come in And we tend to see a number of teams getting knocked out in the past Because... Imagine that it's the cold, cold winter of early January. Teams wouldn't want to play out in small stadiums and without any under soil heating and everything else. So a lot of teams used to be knocked out. But now we see a, perhaps mm-hmm. the standard of the top tier is just, just so different. Uh, there was not a single major upset. I think the best teams in the lower division could get were draws. Yeah, uh, Bristol got a draw against West Ham. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, I have one down here. Maidstone United <laughs> 1, Stevenage nil. Maidstone in the 6th tier, uh, the National League South. It's also uh, a big town near to where I grew up. And Stevenage in League 1. I mean, that's a 
big upset. So if, let's say, Maidstone United gets, say, Liverpool... Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's such a payday. Of course, it's for them, it's amazing. They get total payout receipts from the gate receipts. Mm. And even, for example, if Liverpool plays at Anfield, they get to bring seven to 8,000 fans hmm. to Anfield which is amazing yeah, yeah. it's an amazing amazing weekend I'm not going to ask you to give us a blow by blow on the, the match <laughs> itself um, in part two we'll start talking more about the matches but another one which I found very interesting Shrewsbury nil Wrexham won now, I think this is a bit of a, a derby. derby. It's a derby for them. It's a derby yep. and I want to ask you two guys what do you think of Hollywood's Wrexham I mean for me I'll be completely honest, I didn't even know Wrexham had a football team <laughs> four or five years ago. So I like it when, it doesn't matter who it is, right? It could be Ryan Reynolds, it could be your neighbourhood Ramli guy. If they could afford to buy a football club and give it the exposure that they want to give it and give it as much care and attention and nourishment that it needs, like it's their own child, how can you not support it? Yes, maybe the means of to doing it may not be everyone's, you know, fancy like Wrexham creating their documentary uh, Ryan Reynolds hosting it and everything but it gave you an insight to see how football clubs need to get revamped right and it's not all sunshine and rainbows like we see actors lives having and all these kind of things and it gave them a massive platform everyone around the world started to know who Wrexham were and it was because of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElney so aside from Ryan Reynolds winning an Emmy this morning did, literally this he, did morning. he win it for, for the I documentary? I think it was for the documentary, yeah. Was it? I think it was literally for the documentary. So you have to say, the United States, right, they wouldn't know like the divisions below the Premier League probably. So the fact that people in America, because the, you know, these awards are watched by Americans too, they were ones who like voted for these kind of things. They were the ones who were in favour for something like this because in the United States, if you look at all their sports teams, whether it's basketball, baseball or whatever, it's franchise teams. Mm. In a second, things change. But with football, it's not the same. You can't bring that same mentality over. Yeah. And so, there's no relegation as well. Yeah, there's no yeah. relegation. That blows my mind. So it's like, how, the, can you, how can you be involved in a sport like the, that? The no whole like, environment is different. It, I think it's massive. It's a great thing for the sport. Azran, you yeah, are okay I, I mean, I've actually watched the two seasons of Wrexham and it's exciting stuff and games like this make for exciting footage as well I'm sure because Shrewsbury is I think one uh, they're in uh, League 1 at this point of time and Wrexham's in League 2 so they've beaten a team above one step above them again Wrexham Wrexham's team is stacked they've got Super Paul Mullins who's from Liverpool Mm -hmm. if you've seen the show (laughs) and they've got former Premier League players as well they've got Stephen Fletcher currently playing up front for Wrexham Ben Foster you've seen that mm-hmm. in the documentary uh, they've got the um, yeah uh, Elliot Lee the son of Rob Lee uh, plays in midfield for Wrexham so what as I as, as what um, Sean mentioned this opens the game already it's global but before that the Premier League used to be the global global had the global reach or the global audience with teams like Wrexham having this Hollywood ownership people now know more about the teams below the division. So I hope in the seasons to come in Wrexham, welcome to Wrexham, we'll see and we'll understand more about the other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colchester United, for example, uh, Accrington Stanley. These are the teams that are... Yeah. 
You know, they've yeah, got you're going to sing a different story in three seasons' time when Wrexham are in the Premier League and they they, they smash they, they, they smash Liverpool. <laughs> it's like how dare they, Hollywood's Wrexham. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, with that, we'll just go take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into the actual games that got played here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back with me, Cam Raslan and Asran and Sean. I forgot to mention my name earlier. <laughs> uh, so let's let's jump into the matches and the big one. Arsenal nil, Liverpool two. We're going to Asran, calm down. Smug, such a smug look on his face. Let's <laughs> let's go to Sean first. Um, at, at the beginning of the match, I thought this was Arsenal's were, were leading all the way. It's it's really baffles me how Arsenal have been playing recently, right? Part of it, I blame on Mikel Arteta. The fact that he brought in Kai Havertz and he distinctively said that he was bringing in Kai Havertz as a midfielder, but he played him up forward again when he had Eddie and Katia on the bench. Now, Kai Havertz, I've never been a fan of Kai Havertz. I've said it multiple times here. I don't understand him. But the amount of opportunities this guy squanders in front of goal... It's unacceptable that you you see players that you know have been so good for Arsenal over the last two seasons starting to sl- slowly slow down. Right, Martinelli is one of them. Saka is one of them. Odegaard's another one. So you gotta step up if you you're coming in as a new player. Arsenal fans are not a huge fan of Kai Havertz. Yesterday is another reason why. You know, he he, just he made finish. his name at Dortmund, wasn't it? At Leverkusen. Leverkusen. And, and, and what? position did he play? He played as a number 10. He could play as a false nine or a number 10 just behind the striker and he did really well so in he was that not a, a, not a, he's not a striker per no. se then. But he's being played in that position because he was played in that position with Chelsea as well. But that's, you know, not really his comfortable zone or whatever. But I've seen him in that number 10 and I'm still not convinced in him. So what is he? He's even played as a left back. Yeah, maybe, he's played so. as a left back for Germany. So he's a, he's a paradox to me because I don't know what he is right so now. So what you're saying is Arsenal need a striker. I think every top team needs a very good striker. Well, several of them have a top, uh, very good striker, but they do not have anything. Right? Yeah, they don't have anything. And the one person that they put a lot of money in last season, in Gabriel Jesus, can hardly stay fit. And it's never nice when your striker comes out and says, your £50 million striker comes out and says, I'm not really known for scoring a lot of goals. I'm more of someone who's a team player. They didn't sign you to be just a team player. They signed you to score goals. But now with FFP being a thing and all, Arsenal can't just go out and spend 100 million on Ozyman if they wanted to. But they've never been a spending club. They've never been a spending club, but they need a good striker and good strikers don't come cheap. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Azran. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, so... um, Mohamed Salah is now with... Mohamed who? Uh, kidding, kidding, wow. kidding, 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 kidding. Ooh, I love Mohamed Salah, of course. We ooh. miss him. But I think the team did well without him yesterday. Uh, in fact, what I love about the FA Cup, and again, Liverpool is also in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup this uh, midweek, is the ability to let in the younger players. So we saw Elliot starting yesterday um, together with... Um, uh, man. Jones, uh, Curtis Jones, of course, mm-hmm. and then and then after that, uh, we saw Connor Bradley coming on for them, uh, and uh, and Clark, right? So uh, this is 
if we want to add on to the magic of the cup, this is the magic of the cup where we are uh, we uh, we get to see a bit more about the academy players. Yeah. But talking about yesterday's game, I think it's similar to the league game that we had a couple of weeks ago. Exciting stuff. End to end, like Sean mentioned, unfortunately Arsenal couldn't finish. They had the earlier chances. Uh, Reese Nelson and Kai Havertz in particular were wasteful enough. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold hit the bar similar to how he did in the league uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back. But in the end, Liverpool managed to score two uh, fantastic goals, I would say. I think Jota made the difference. Yeah. Clearly, we've missed a player like Jota because the difference that Jota has is he makes the right decisions in the final third. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at this point of time, Darwin Nunes isn't able to. He needs to have a bit more composure. And Luis Diaz, unfortunately, he's lost a bit of the spark that he had when he started when he joined us. So you're still a Darwin Nunes. Uh, I, I still think believer. he deserves a chance. I, I believe he will come good, uh, but he has not yet come good. Then he's all right, but not for again, the not money, for the spend, amount of money. Yeah. Maybe again, we've spoken about how price tags can put a bit of too much weight on uh, a player itself. So Darwin Nunes probably is one of those players. He needs to learn a bit more composure. And Jota is someone that you can learn from, and Jota coming on. That made the difference. He hit mm-hmm. the bar uh, with his header and then finally he was the one who assisted Luis Diaz for the closure goal at the end. Okay, very quickly then, uh, before we leave Arsenal, if they were to get a striker, who would you recommend? Anyone out there? As a, who's out there? I mean, if you have the money, Ozimen's out there. Yes, he just signed a new contract, if I'm not mistaken, with Napoli, but Italian clubs need money, yeah. right? No matter which Italian club it is, he is someone that I can't imagine stays at Napoli for the rest of his career. So if any top team needs a really big striker and an effective striker right now, it's him. Yeah, and Napoli isn't doing so well this season. Yeah. So at the right price, he might go. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, I would never have suggested him because I don't <laughs> think about Italian football. So let's move on. And another derby. It's actually the first time this derby has been played for eight years. Yeah. Sunderland nil. Newcastle United 3. Now, I thought Newcastle United was supposed to be tired. They looked tired. I mean, last few t- matches, they seemed very tired, but they didn't seem very tired in this match. Is it just a golfing quality, Osran, or uh, I, mean, I mean, is this the difference between different tiers? I think it's a golfing quality, clearly, uh, because Sunderland, as you mentioned, is the first wine tear derby in a while. Uh, the last times we've seen Sunderland is in Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, did so you like the, that show, Sunderland? I, I love that. I thought it was just the saddest. It. It, it, was like, it was sad. It's like, but I don't want to look inside. <laughs> it was poignant. I think that's the word oh, I would God, use. Yeah. But talking about Sunderland. <laughs> They they enjoyed being in the derby and this is the derby that we want to see back in the Premier League. Mm. We hope that Sunderland can take that next step because they I think they were unfortunate in the playoffs, in the yeah. championship playoffs last year. They've got Michael Beale at the helm. Michael Beale unfortunately didn't do so well at Rangers, but he's got quite a glowing reputation uh, for the way he plays. So when the game, I, I saw the game live and uh, it brought me back to those years of Calvin Phillips, mm-hmm. Kevin Kilban, uh, oh. Nil, Niall Quinn uh, wow, okay. against Newcastle, against Alan Shearer and whatnot. But clearly Newcastle it was, I would say, a one-way street. Because I mean, the Sunderland team's been getting um, good press, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were better than this. Uh, I would say, okay, th- we always say the championship is a very tough league, which is true because anyone can beat anyone on their day. But a very good example is Burnley Football Club, which I think we'll touch on later. Phenomenal in the championship last season, Mm. but the minute they came up to the Premier League, they got brought right back down to earth, right? Similarly, you can say the same thing about Sunderland. You can look at certain players like uh, Joe Bellingham, who 
has been really good for them since he's come into their team but he's not ready yet but the thing is everyone's going to draw comparisons to the fact that he's you know Jude Bellingham's younger brother so he surely has the same amount of talent all these kind of things I, I so, hardly noticed him yeah but that that's the thing yeah. that yeah. Newcastle did well but there was a huge gulf in talent and class there that is the premiership quality and the championship quality right yeah. so and it showed so you would assume right in a in a derby especially a derby you haven't played in eight years that you would turn up and at least you know leave a mark on someone which I think did happen Louis Miley took a huge hit but that's about all that's that it. happened yeah. yeah that's all Sunderland really did they didn't yeah. really lay a glove on Newcastle but Newcastle then resurgent or is it just because they played up inferior team I think it was a good time to play a derby to give them back their confidence because yeah. clearly their confidence has been shot ever since that last minute penalty at Paris in Paris mm-hmm. uh, ever since then they've been on like a proper downfall uh, this is the game that probably can lift them up uh, yeah. a, good, a good win away at Sunderland their fiercest rivals uh, let's see this weekend yeah I think that that's, that same scenario is true for a number of Premier <laughs> <probably> League <laughs> uh, teams hey quickly before we leave yep. uh, Joe Bellingham reminds me of course of Jude, Jude. Bellingham mm. and reminds me of course of that time when Jude Bellingham was perhaps going to go to Liverpool and and the Twitter I noticed that Twitter was alive with the, the Kylian Mbappe to Liverpool <laughs> uh, have you got the shirt number already no. <laughs> I, I don't think Kylian Mbappe is going to join Liverpool I mean the riches of Madrid mm-hmm. is there at him so I mean everyone wants to play you would probably want to spend more time in 20 degrees weather than less than that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's probably the answer. I mean, it's a real club, Liverpool. It's I, a solid I, club, I think, no doubt about it. I mean, but, you know. But the allure of being a Galactico to play in Madrid is... It's something I don't understand. I don't of course, understand. I, I can understand the fact that so many great teams have been built in Madrid, but... So have Liverpool, so have Arsenal. So yeah. so many teams have had great teams built, but the allure of Real Madrid and Barcelona, it trumps all from what I've seen. Okay. That, to me, it's like a glorified um, retirement. And you can earn <laughs> a lot as well. They haven't got the tight wage structures mm-hmm. that we have in the Premier League. So, Arvin will probably get upset with me saying that. <laughs> I mean, Kylian Mbappe can earn like... He'll be set within a year. Yeah, well, he could go to Saudi Arabia and he could... Uh, yeah, but the, the thing that's the difference is Real Madrid. You're playing for the Top Europeans' owners. best, most successful, or yeah. arguably the world's most successful club. Mm-hmm. Go to Saudi, and now you hear about a number of players wanting to come back to the Premier well, League. Yeah, you'll be happy that Jordan Henderson wants to. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay. Anyway, speaking of uh, Premier League uh, clubs that probably benefited over the weekend, Chelsea four, uh, Preston North End nil. Preston actually, actually is uh, is a two time winner of the FA Cup. And uh, back in 1938 was their last one. Uh, Chelsea must have enjoyed this winning, Sean. Uh, you know, from the cup competitions, at least from the League Cup, because they're playing in the semi-finals too in the, the League Cup, they seem to play a lot more confidently. They yeah. look a lot more fluid, which I think that's the real pattern that, uh, uh, what's Pochettino. his name, Pochettino wants them to play. But the thing that always baffles me is one week you see this Chelsea iteration or this team or certain players that play really well get dropped in the next game. Now, I understand all opposition is different. You have to play to your strengths and your weaknesses, but that doesn't really build confidence in the team. Now, you look at a win like this, 4-0, massive win, right? But if you ask me who's Chelsea's best player this season so far, most consistent player... To me, it's Conor Gallagher, mm. right? Most consistent. Or What's Carlton happening? Palmer, or yeah. perhaps... Or, or Cole Palmer, right? Cole Palmer's right? Saying, yeah. But they spend money on him. That's the yep. thing. You want a return on investment, right? But yep. you, you have someone who came from your academy, didn't cost you a cent, who's been your most consistent player, and yet 
he's the one that's probably going to be shipped out oh, yeah. and to Spurs which I can't understand I've learned so far this season at least from the summer window not to question Angel signings because they seem to fit his system to the T so yeah but I Colin Gallagher is that I th- don't you think yeah that's, that's the thing I, I mean, he I, seems like an Ange He, he seems like a, he's a hard worker. He's yeah. someone who's never going to stop running. He's never going to stop trying to do everything. For and he's team. inventive. Yeah, and I think about it in the sense where, if the player was really horrible, and they needed to go, sure. But Conor Gallagher is the essence of what Chelsea Football Club is. He comes from the academy. And they wants him, but mm-hmm. I can I can't fathom how Pochettino would want to release him. Well, uh, let let me. Uh, uh, During the next ad break, I'll tell you all about <laughs> FFP, Financial Fair Play. <laughs> they have to sell him. Um, he, As Sean said, he is a homegrown player, so yeah. they can only sell the homegrown players yep. mm-hmm. in order to show a profit, which is the great thing about the game these days. <laughs> so, um, Chelsea, you've been saying, Sean, for some time that they're going to come good, but perhaps this is it. Uh, Asran, do you thinking... Mm, they're probably going to win against Middlesbrough in midweek and then still struggle at the weekend in the league. But when they were on, as Sean was saying, when they were on, when they were flowing, it was a, it was an impressive sign. To which Chelsea are you talking about? The Jose Mourinho Chelsea, the Ancelotti no, Chelsea, no, this, or this, or the, the, the one against Preston Chelsea. North End? Uh, right, I, I was impressed. I mean, again, like I go back to the whole Newcastle and Sunderland thing again. Yes, there is your big cup upsets and all these things that happen, but you also have the gulf in class. But you've seen so many of these players. To me, the best example from this Chelsea team is Enzo Fernandez. Well, he had a blinder yesterday. Yeah, he had a blinder yesterday. Game, but yeah. look at the gulf in class. He's yeah. played against the bigger teams in the Premier League. We can talk about even the maybe mid-tier teams like Brighton or West Ham, all these kind of things. And he hasn't turned up. Yeah. So True. that's my real question is how are you going to get the best out of these players? You're showing their quality there. Is it... They're meant for the first team, or or can they just perform against the smaller uh, minnows? I think back to the notion. I still believe that Pochettino hasn't had the opportunity, or he doesn't know his best eleven yet. Once that happens, once he gets the right formations against particular systems or squads or teams, I think they'll be all right. I think he is not invested emotionally in Chelsea. Yeah, he loves Spurs. Yeah, he loves Maybe Spurs. that's why he wants to ship off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and sending a little note to Ange as well. Take care of my boy. Yeah. Okay, we take another short break. And when we come back, more FA Cup. Some, I was going to say an upset, it's not an upset. Uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back with me and Asran Rosane and Sean Mahotra. And now we were talking about Premier League clubs that have benefited from uh, being able to play lesser teams for their confidence. And one of them was, well, there was Stoke City 2, Brighton 4. And uh, can you do it on a cold Saturday in Stoke? Uh, it looked pretty cold there. I thought that Brighton were actually very impressive and that they scored very different types of goals and this did them power of good. It was a good game, actually. It was one of those uh, third-round classics. Stoke went in for the goal first through an own goal uh, by the Brighton defender and then it took Brighton the last kick, arguably, of the first half. It was an amazing goal by Espinando. It was a cracker of a goal. And after that, only, I think, Brighton played. Because before that, if you see the game, it was quite an evenly matched game. I think Stoke gave it a game to Brighton. At 1-0, they defended well. They were solid. Uh, Brighton found it difficult to break through the Stoke uh, midfield and defence. But as soon as the Espinando goal went in, 
Brighton went out of the second half with all guns blazing. Having said that, Stoke still managed to draw level at 2 all. Yeah. But after that, as you put it, uh, it was different goals. It was headers. It was a nice finish by Joao Pedro. Brighton really showed their metal. Uh, again, back to the magic of the cup. We forgot. We've forgotten about the Britannia Stadium in Stoke City. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, where we yeah. saw Rory Delap's famous long yeah, throws. Yeah. Michael <laughs> Owen <laughs> showing no, up for Stoke God. City. After playing for United. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I saw a stat that those uh, Rory Delap long throws didn't actually create as many goals as you, I can, as, as you thought. But they created trouble. Though. They created yeah. trouble. Because yeah. trouble. Trouble. no one had ever, like, you'd never seen it in the Premier League <laughs> where a team just lobbed <laughs> the ball in like it was a corner or a free kick. It, it was, was like something a torpedo. Diff- yeah. it, was just, it was something else oh. to think about. And there was a striker they used to have, I think it was Cameron Jones, yes, Cameron who Jones. used to latch on to these things and Cameron Jerome. So these two strikers, they giant number nine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just so they could, could hate everything in. And they had Robert Huth at one point too, who was Chelsea player. I mean, the old Stoke, because my uncle, who's from the UK, he's a Stoke fan. Oh. So I think there was a game where Stoke beat United, and I've been reminded of it even up to now, even though they're all the way down there. So things like this make me reminisce a bit. But you again, golf in class. Brighton have options galore. Have, have, I, have you two been impressed by uh, Brighton this season? Yes. Little, yes. Yeah, yeah, but con- the consistency, where is, what's the inconsistency about? Because they have another competition to think about and they've come out of a very, very tough group. Again, I, I remember coming into this this one of the shows and saying Brighton will be above Chelsea and so far it's been proven right mm-hmm. because Deserby is such a good manager. They've got such a good infrastructure behind them. So even though they haven't perhaps gotten the uh, as big of a squad or an expensive squad like Chelsea, but he knows how to play the game. He knows how to maximise his players and they've done well. I mean, they've come out of a group consisting of Ajax and Marseille and they topped the group. So but what you're saying is that Brighton would have liked to have been knocked out in the third no, round no, of the no. FA Cup. I think, you know, the period before this, they've lost so many key players, key players that made them, you know, perform as well as they did last season. Estupinian has just come back, but other than that, Gross was out. Solly March has been out. Uh, Louis Dunk was out. Louis Dunk is massive for them at the back. Uh, Danny Welbeck's been out and he's interesting in, for, for, in a forward role. Evan Ferguson, who scored so many goals, was missing for like two months. Mitoma is now gone as well for the Asian Cup. So, but they continue to churn the players. Yeah, they continue, they continue to churn the players. But the thing is, the inconsistency is going to be there this season. Yeah. Mm. And I think the ownership and everyone above them completely understands they're playing in more competitions. If you keep in mind, I think they topped their group. They, they didn't the group. just win their group in the, the Europa League, is it? Europa League. Europa League. Yeah. They topped their group. They're, what, seventh or eighth right now in the Premier League. They've just won their FA Cup tie. If you look at it in a larger perspective it's they're doing well. they're doing yeah. quite well oh, okay. right? and for a club as well I mean they've turned Adingra now people want to buy the likes of João Pedro mm-hmm. Adingra these are in the radar of bigger clubs so similar they buy for example a Moises Caicedo for for a penny and then they sell the person to Chelsea for 100 million so mm-hmm. so um, Brighton are going to beat Liverpool in the final of the Europa <laughs> That's what you're saying, isn't it? Oh, it That's would come full circle after what he said last season. Yeah. Brighton are where they need to be. Yeah, they should be happy with that. First time, I'm happy that Sevilla is no longer in the Europa League. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Azran, um, Tottenham Hotspur won Burnley nil. I don't know if uh, Spurs were lucky. It's a fabulous goal by uh, Pedro Porro. And, but without Son, I felt like there were kind of there was a dimension lacking, which they're going to have to work their way around. Um, it's it's going to be a tough time for them. Isn't it? It, it, it is, I think. It was the first test 
without Son and not just Son they've lost a couple more players to the African uh, Cup of Nations so uh, Yves Bissouma and uh, Papesa right mm-hmm. so the three of them have been the pillar to Spurs resurgence if I can call it under Ange uh, the game wasn't really interesting if you ask me uh, but for the goal the goal was a stunner probably uh, the, one of the top two goals of the weekend of the weekend for, mm-hmm. for sure I mean getting the ball out of a throw, throw out from the goalkeeper mm-hmm. intercepting the ball and just proper whacking it through uh, proper Trevella uh, goal right exactly, there exactly uh, besides that there were not much happening I mean similar similar well, themes Richarlison missing chances mm-hmm. well I've got one one, one thing okay Sean um, I think Burnley show that playing out from the back is not always a good idea it depends like <laughs> it was like what that was I terrible mean, I've said this so many times on this show right if you have the right players to do it good example is uh, City I love using City as an example they play out of the back all the time no matter what position they're in they always play it out the back why every player that plays at the back we don't look at their midfield we don't look at their attack just yet everyone that plays at the back is a ball player they know how to work the ball out in a tight space mm. everyone from goalkeeper to defenders to midfielders to attackers Burnley don't have no. that maybe in the championship they do at that quality they do but against Premier League oppositions. No right? time. And they've already faced Spurs this season. So you should know that they're going to press you. Ange will stick to his identity yeah. where they will push you, they will outwork you, they will they put you against the wall. Just kick the ball. Just kick the ball. But, <laughs> you know, company wants to stick with this, this identity of his. And honestly, I can't see it going well. I've tipped them to go down already in the Premier League. That's, so, not, that's not a bold statement. I, mean, I know. That's, that's but like, <laughs> they, if you continue this, they could go down in a horrible manner yeah. as well. So... Yeah. I think maybe, you know, higher up the ownership's already thinking ahead. As in, like, we'll still keep company because look at how we did in the championship last season. Mm. You know, we could probably replicate it again. So it's just a, a vibes moment now I th- for Burnley. I think Sean Dyche is very happy now at Everton. I don't think he's going to... Oh, no, no way. No going, way. No, no, he won't go back. They've been the biggest disappointment, uh, Burnley, for sure. Yeah. Because I think we didn't expect much out of Luton. They've been the surprise package out of mm-hmm. the three. Yeah. Sheffield gives us a lot of goals. I mean, mm-hmm. conceding goals, that is. <laughs> Seven-nil games, eight-nil games, so it's exciting to watch. Ashran came here with guns out today. Uh, no, but Burnley, again, <laughs> we've, we expected much more out of Burnley. Yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. with the way they won the championship last season. Yeah. It's been a bit of a... It, from the very first match. From the very first match. Very first mm-hmm. match. Hey, um, okay, one extreme to the other. Man City 5, Huddersfield Ooh, Town nil, And Kevin De Bruyne is back. And they haven't lost anybody to the African Cup of Nations. Or, or the Asian Cup. Or the Asian Cup. And <laughs> so it's, it sounds like it's game one out of their forty win continuously winning winning series, right? They tend to do that after the break anyway. They tend yeah. to win game after game after game. It's still cities to lose, mm-hmm. I would say. The league, the FA Cup, the FA you Cup. name it, yeah, yeah, for sure. They're the best team at this point of time, stacked with players. De Bruyne's back and he appeared to haven't lost any sort of momentum immediately mm-hmm. coming back at half time again he could have played from the start but I think Pep Guardiola intentionally wanted him to come at half time and immediately created an assist as well already man yeah Foden is on fire so. yeah yeah Sean tell me what does what does um, what does Foden do I like I, I think Phil Foden is the epitome of a Pep Guardiola type player because you can't really pinpoint what position he plays when he came through the academy at Man City he was played as a number 10 Pep said, no, I think you can play as a winger. I think you can play as a false nine. I think you can play on the right wing. So when you go up against a player like this, you don't know how to 
play against a player like this how do you mark him he can play in any space mm. he's a very smart player i think many many years ago uh when pep was still at barcelona and people were talking so highly about jack wilshere when he was at arsenal when he just come up pep said yeah but we have like 10 of these players in spain You see Phil Foden. Phil Foden's that thing that you're talking about, those 10 types of players yeah. in Spain kind of thing. He's that next level type player. He can score a goal. He can have an eye for a pass. To me, he's the true successor to Kevin De Bruyne to play in that role. It's a big, big thing to say, but I think he can do it because he's smart enough and he has a connection with every player there. One thing that Pep needs in that team, with any team he's ever had, is a genius in his team. You look at Barcelona, he had Busquets. Of course, he had Iniesta and Xavi, but I thought Busquets was the brains in the team. At Bayern, he had Kimmich, who he made, you know, into a central defensive midfielder. He was a defender before that, and now at City, he's got geniuses everywhere. But in the attacking third, you talk about a player who thinks two steps, two steps ahead. Phil Foden's that guy, and arguably he's the most technically gifted English player. Yes, I mean he can do amazing stuff with his left foot, right foot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. I think he can play seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I mean Guardiola's dream player can play anywhere, and so far he's been he's managed to avoid the front uh, pages of the newspapers as well mm-hmm. uh, under Guardiola. So things are doing well for for Phil Foden at this point of time. Yeah, uh, one thing I noticed with the the second City goal, um, there were eight um, Huddersfield Town players in the penalty <laughs> box, up against four City players, and the, uh, City did the usual thing down there, cut back. And they scored eight players. That's, that's including the 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 goalkeeper. I mean, sure, Huddersfield Town. Actually, they're twenty first in the championship. They're in the championship. Um, I mean, you know, just Man City. Is that boring? Is it? Are they great? Is It's it boring? It's great to see because it brings out the next level for the competition. It's similar to what we say JDT is for the M League, <laughs> rightly or wrongly. I mean, we've got people for it and against it. But it, if you take it the right way, it brings the best level of the play. I think when we have Gigi around us, Gigi also says when we play against JDT, it brings, it spurs mm-hmm. us to perform the next level. We yeah. want to beat them. Similar to City. You want to beat City because that's the team to beat. How they play, I mean, they've got players, they can play from the back because they've got, these defenders can be strikers in other teams, yeah. I'm sure. There's that technically gifted. Okay, so there's the league, there's the FA Cup, there's Champions the League. Champions League, which... They're not going to repeat the treble. Oh. I don't think so. But they're, They, the leagues they have to lose I, yeah. I, I, that's what I would say uh, over the long haul City have proven time and time again they can do it yeah okay okay so let's hope Newcastle can stop them this weekend for a start oh. yeah sure yeah Newcastle <laughs> definitely yeah. Yeah. okay I, I got another one then if you Sean uh, Middlesbrough nil, Aston Villa 1 mm-hmm. um, yeah Aston Villa well done <laughs> uh, I want to ask about Michael Carrick um, mm-hmm. I thought he was uh, he's been doing a good job uh, as the manager of Middlesbrough Um, has he got a bright future? Is he the next manager of Manchester United? I, you know, after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I told myself, this is the biased part of me speaking, where I just never want to see an ex-player be a coach for Manchester United in that hot seat again. Because it's painful if things don't work out. But if you have to look at the the last, what, eight years or so, if you talk about ex-players from United becoming coaches, Michael Carrick is a great example. A lot of, And Kieran McKenna is another one too at Ipswich. But... You have to look at the fact that these guys literally 
have been talked about in a very good light that you know they brought out the best on young players they had a tactical view that you know not many people saw but no one gave him that chance at United because they said oh he's just an ex-player of course he'll get the chance when he's gone to Middlesbrough I think he got them quite far last season yeah. they had a chance to to come up to the Premier League again this season you know it's been a, it was a rough start but they're slowly getting it back together they lost their star player to Ajax you're not going to keep those kind of players so the fact that you know I think Carrick will look at it as yeah, we lost to Aston Villa, a team that's so much better than us, you know. But we're playing in a semi-final against Chelsea. That's true, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're playing yeah. in a semi-final against Chelsea. When was the last time Middlesbrough fans would have seen a semi-final in any tournament? So to me, that's already a success. If, like I said last season, this about Aston Villa, if you have your expectations and reality at a certain place, right? What is your expectation and the reality as a Middlesbrough fan? To me, if I was to put myself in the, their shoes right now, to be in a semi-final of a competition mm. it may not be the FA Cup yeah. semi-final but it is a semi-final mm. and you're playing against arguably on paper a team that's five yeah. times better than you back to the magic of the cup I mean it reminds you of the days of Ravanelli and Juninho mm. the Riverside Stadium we forgot yeah, that no, one I, I love that uh, and um, Emerson yeah that, they, yeah, they were a good team they were a good team <laughs> um, okay we have to move on and uh, in a moment we will um well, we'll look at a bit of Manchester United. We're going to do uh, EFL Cup semi-finals and the uh, Asian Cup here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to part four with me and Sean and Azran. And now, Sean, um, your chance to talk up the greatness that is Manchester United, Wigan. We'll be playing Manchester United. Um, it'll be the final match of this round. Um, do we talk about football on the pitch or should we talk about off the pitch? Sir Jim Ratcliffe has taken his 25% stake and I've already seen photographs of him being photographed with players and thumbs up. How do you feel? Is this going to make a difference? I think it might because the absolute indifference of ownership to anything that happens on the pitch <laughs> is brazen. I've never seen it in any other club. If there's at least one guy, even if he's a minority stakeholder, who's paying attention, that'll do something, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'll go segue just a little bit because I was brought up with this statement from my late grandfather, which was, it's very easy to look at all the negatives in life, but it's better if you look at the positives because that's something you can work on. Yeah. Now, As I, United fans, last yeah, 10 years. That's, my that's my grandfather was an Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the thing is, I know the doubts that a lot of United fans have. I have doubts too that, you know, they're just a minority stake. What if they're just in it as an investment where they can make money back? But I want to look at it as they're coming in, they've already contributed 300 million once the papers are all signed, blah, 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 which is another six weeks or so. 300 million to the club's development and the infrastructure of the club. That's 300 million more than the Glazers have ever put in. Yes, it's not the kind of money the Sheikh would have given us from, you know, Qatar, but... It is, it is a start, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I've said this multiple times. United fans have to get out of the mentality that we are a top two club in England. We're one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Yes, by name, by commercial value, United is the biggest club in the world. But on the pitch, it's not the case anymore. And a new system, a restructuring from top to bottom needs to happen. And it's not going to happen within 
you know, one month or a year or two years, it's going to take time. So you think uh, it'll be a new minority stakeholder bounce mm-hmm. against Wigan? <laughs> I, I, I honestly think, I've said this against any team that United face at this point in time, Wigan, for context, are 17th in the championship, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, in League One, they're not even in the championship, oh, right. they're 17th in League One. So this whole weekend, we've talked about how there's not been a single giant killing it's written in the stars that tonight would be the night. And the giant killing would be United beating Wigan, of course. But uh, I honestly think a start, you know, it's a good start. Having a new ownership in, it gives everyone a, a different point of view. And a point of view which I'm very excited about is no one is safe. Because if we are led to believe, Sir Jim Radcliffe and Ineos have full sporting control. So if you are not up to scratch, you're gone. Ten Hag is safe, Leslie. I don't think so either. Because, again... The person who's supposed to motivate the players is the manager, right? And I think the bare minimum right now when Ineos comes in is just try to get European football. Doesn't matter which one of the competitions, just try to get it Mm. because you need European football. Okay. But I honestly think no one at the club is safe. The first person who I think will be leaving next will be John Murto. Is that? uh, United's technical director. He's part of the problem. I, I could go on for like an hour's no, rant, not going but to. I'm not going to do that. No, no. But yeah, I, if you ask me just about the game, I think United will just skin it. I don't think it'll be a, a four-five-zero kind of game. I think it'll be like a two-one tonight. Yeah, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask Azran to comment on Manchester United <laughs> from from his Olympian heights at uh, Liverpool. It's like just looking down on little people. Instead, I'm going to ask you, Azran. Um, EFL Cup semi-finals coming up. Um, we've kind of mentioned them along the way. Liverpool versus Fulham. Fantastic stuff. Fulham hasn't won a single cup <laughs> in their history, so they're all up for it. But as I mentioned, what I like about the League Cups and the FA Cups, when you play against teams who are okay, either in the lower leagues or not not competing in the same titles that you are, is the ability to blood in youngsters. So one of the youngsters that I'm really looking forward to watch is actually Owen Beck, who we've recalled. Um, he's a left back. Oh, so he, this is not going to be a full-strength team then? I think it's going to be a mix. So it allows Jurgen Klopp to mix and match players, to keep the players rested, but at the same time, match fit to compete in the other competitions that you're playing in. Mm. So the likes of, I think, okay, so Van Dijk didn't play yesterday. It depends on how he recovers from illness, but it'll probably be between Kwanzaa or Konate with another person, probably. And I believe Owen Beck will play at left-back in place of Joe Gomez, who has played as a left-back in the absence of Andy Robertson. You can't play the fool against Fulham. I mean, they're, they're, of course not. Yeah. But again, I think it's a nice, uh, it's a time where we are able to see this top players from the academy, uh, or else we will no, never be able to see them because in the league, the appetite is much much less because obviously the league demands instant success. Whereas in the cups, you are able to sort of play around with with the selection. But Liverpool want this cup. I wouldn't mind the cup at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind the cup. Really, I wouldn't mind the cup. Sean, you mentioned it earlier. Middlesbrough, Chelsea. Um, which Chelsea do you think it's going to be? I think it'll be the same Chelsea that turned up against Preston, but Middlesbrough are no pushovers. I said I said it just now, right, that the fact that they lost their FA Cup game, you just know for sure Michael Carrick is getting behind all those players with this fixture at home in their first leg. Don't forget the semi-finals are two-legged affair, right? So at home, make a statement. This Chelsea team is not the Chelsea team from 10 years ago that had the likes of Lampard, Drogba and all these kind of players. This is a Chelsea team that defensively is very shaky. Mm. They can be hurt. So 
I think you know if you look at the Liverpool Fulham game, I think Liverpool win it by a good margin. But when it comes to Middlesbrough Chelsea, I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. I'm going to make that that weird statement that I made against uh, when Villa played City. I actually think Middlesbrough can get one over Chelsea at home. Yeah, that's right. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. Uh, but over two legs, I still think Chelsea. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that will happen too. Yeah. yeah. And okay, so we're now we're going to move on to Asian Cup. Azran, looking forward to it. Really, I are you? Are you? Why? Uh, how? I mean, it's a week to go. Uh, it's the best team I think we've had personally in my X years of life in the world. The best Malaysian squad that we have. Uh, again, going into a competition, I think we will fancy our chances. Obviously, it depends on the first two matches because we'll play teams that are definitely ranked above us. I think Jordan is ranked something like 87th and Bahrain's 86th. So they're very similar. So it depends on how we do in the first game that will sort of give us the feel on how we're going to make it or not. So for me, really, we've got to avoid defeat against the, this, this two ga- in, this, again, in this first two games. We've got to get four points at least. Okay. And then... We have got a really, really strong chance because by then, hopefully, so you're, Korea discounting, would have qualified. you're discounting the last match. Because I would imagine Korea would have qualified by then. Qualif- Korea is just too strong, even for Jordan Bahrain. However, if Korea stumbles in these first two games, that will then put a bit of a spanner in our qualification sort of hopes. So we really want Korea to continue playing like a top 30 FIFA team, mm-hmm. beating the likes of Jordan Bahrain, allow us then to challenge Jordan Bahrain. Having said that, though, because obviously I think if you talk to a lot of as Malaysians we really think that Jordan is the team to beat however Jordan in their recent past few games they've done pretty well they beat Qatar who played in the World Cup recently in the oh. friendly and they're playing Japan tomorrow I think in another friendly before they face us yeah. so I'm really li- looking at how Jordan's doing as well but Malaysia so far we've selected the right squad we've got a nice so who, who are the players you're, you're, you're pleased to see well, obviously Arif Ayman is someone that I want to see shine in this competition hopefully it'll put him in the eyes of Asian teams I really want to see Arif Ayman playing in a bigger league than Malaysia at this point I mean with all due respect to the M League Arif Ayman deserves to play somewhere else. Right, what's his uh, Oh, he's quality. amazing. He's at a young age, he's already our MVP. He's what, 21, 22 now and he's, oh, he's a different level altogether. He is quick, nimble on his feet, intelligent, has the technical ability. Oh, he's got everything. Mm-hmm. He's got speed. Oh man, he's, he's something else. He's a generational player, uh, mm-hmm. if you ask me, for me. Wow, you are really... Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it, really. And, and, and so for you, um, an expectation would be to get out of the group stage? I think that I would think be a massive achievement. It'll be yeah. a massive achievement. What I want to see is Malaysia fighting like how they've done, really. Fighting blood and tears in jo- against Jordan, against Bahrain. And let's see where it, where it brings us. It will be, as, as, as I think all of us will concur, it'll be the biggest achievement of Malaysian football if we were to qualify the next stage in the Asian Cup in this time uh, and moment. And then, Sean, you'll fly out to... Qatar and... Uh, you mean like how you made your promise to Gigi and then fulfilled it only at the end of the season? I went. I went with us around. We got a photograph to prove it. It was nil-nil. I tell you, blow, blow, blow. They hit the bar. They if, hit the bar. If BFM would like to sponsor us to go over there, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying then that this is a golden age? 
form, but not golden age. But I, I, mean, I, I, I hope to say that this is the start of the golden age for Malaysia because what Kim Pangon has done, and I think we were talking about it recently, so far in the past, we've naturalized players who were at the tail end of their careers. Obviously, because they play in Malaysia when they're already 28, 29. Five years on, when they're naturalized, they're 34. Like Liridon Krasniki, like De Paula. This time around, we've naturalized a mid-20s player in Romel Morales from KL, by the way. KLFA. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. officially now, he's uh, he's said his farewells already. But anyway, uh, he's naturalized. So it's also a step for the future. It's the team for the future. And the team that we have now, they are in terms of age-wise, they're in a nice 24 to 28 age group which means they've got a couple of years still to play. So if it's not this Asian Cup, maybe in four years' time, we'll get out of the group stages. But for sure, we are progressing at the right in the right direction. We have now 130 in, in terms of FIFA ranking from the mm-hmm. doldrums of 190. That, I hope to crack the 100, top 100 teams in, and that will be a fantastic that achievement already. Yeah, yeah. World Cup qualification, here we come. Oof. If there are <laughs> 80 teams in the World Cup. Well, that is, that is the plan, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. FIFA yeah. wants that, right? Uh, before we go, what, do you know where, how, um, what ranking is South Korea? 30, I think. 32. 23 now, sorry. 23. Top 30. They're top 30, yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. it's a, that's a different level. So we want Korea to beat Jordan Bahrain convincingly. 5-0, 5-0. Please do that. I, I do I do remember, though, I did watch uh, a, a little of the 1974 World Cup, and uh, if you can imagine, and Scotland beat um, the Netherlands. Archie Gamble. Yep. And uh, in a match that didn't mean anything, but they beat the Netherlands, and uh, perhaps Malaysia could... Uh, Do something like that. <laughs> yeah, but I hope I hope that the game against Korea wouldn't be a dead rubber. I really hope that we've got a chance at, yeah. in the last game. Uh, yeah. I really do hope so. So, come on, Jordan and Bahrain on the 15th, on the 20th, all Malaysians, let's watch the game, support <laughs> from wherever you are. Okay. Let's do that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got me excited now. But <laughs> um, well, we, we do have um, uh, our Des Kill out there, so we'll catch up with him. Uh, and Azran, are you going to go and... Uh Still in, still in the works, still in the works. But tell my wife that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Negotiations with the wife and family. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. I'd like to thank Sean Mahotra. Thank you, thank you. I had a lot of fun. Hopefully tonight there will be a smile on my face or you will not hear from me for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Go Wigan. And uh, Asran Rosane. All the best, Sean. Hopefully there will be a giant killing in the sense of United beating Wigan. <laughs> But I want to uh, draw against Middenville. That's what we want to draw. After that, immediately after the game, there'll be the draw of the FA Cup. Mm. So let's draw Maidstone United. Maidstone United. Yeah, Maidstone United. Or Wrexham. Want to go on TV? Oh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd like to thank our producer, Daryl Long, and myself, Cam Russell. I'm doing this next week, or not, not a lot of, next time on... Um, What are we called? It's not a bit of culture. It's just, just for, for kicks. kicks. <laughs> uh, a bit of culture comes next, folks. Stay tuned. No, it doesn't. It does on Fridays. <laughs> Today's Monday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. A lot of wagging of his head there from Daryl. And, and I understood everything. Um, here on BFM 89.9. Football tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.